Hello. Oh, you look wonderful from this side. Great, great. Crystal, you will be encouraged to know that while I'm speaking, you're going to say, my testimony was perfect for what he's talking about. Okay, this is the way the Holy Spirit works. Because when I was invited quite recently to be here tonight, I knew immediately what I was supposed to talk about. I'm going to talk to you about my favorite parable. You see, I've lived in a country where people use a lot of parables. West Africa. I'm not from the Ebola part. I'm from the part that's up on top of that. The Ebola is, is a virus that likes both humidity and heat. And the rainforests, Liberia, Guinea, what's the other one? What's the third one? No, that's not, it's not there yet. Nigeria is not really a part of that yet. Anyway, the countries that are above those border the Sahara Desert, where it's very, very dry. It's drier than the valley here. Well, I'm mentioning that because I'm going to teach you a song from Africa. African music and African words. We're going to sing in the Mori language. That's spelled M-O-R-I. That's the language of the Mosi. The Mosi are the largest and most influential tribe in Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso, you don't know where that is if, you're not a, if you don't study geography, because Americans know about the parts of Africa that are English-speaking. But Senegal, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, Central African Republic, Chad, all those countries are French-speaking. And my wife and I had to learn French before we went. That's many years ago. I think Abraham Lincoln was alive. <laughs> I'm so old now that life is so fragile that I don't even buy green bananas. Well, let's get singing. Now, here are the words. We're going to say them first, then we're going to put melody to them. Tita Waoge. Just follow me. You're doing good. Tita Waoge. Nabwenam. Let's do this again. Tita Waoge. Tita Waoge. Nabwenam. Nabiga Yisa Yisa That's the Arabic name for Jesus. The Arab culture came across the Sahara Desert long before the Europeans came and taught them French. And so there are many words in the Mori language that are borrowed from Arabic. Okay? So 
Jesus' name in the Quran is Isa. And that's what we're saying. Now, I'll sing it for you. You just listen. Don't try to sing it now or you won't get the, get the melody. And it's got rhythm to it. So before we're done, we're going to be clapping and standing and uh, getting down, Mr. Brown. <laughs> Here we go. Listen. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge. Isn't that going to be fun? Yeah. All right. Let's try it with me. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge. Na buen nambiga yisa. Oh, were you singing, Cliff? All right. This is my man over here. Let's do it again. You're, are you sure you haven't studied this before? Did I teach one here the last time I was here? Did I teach this one? No, I don't think so. I taught you. Akpe madana mawu. I think I taught that. It's another language. That's... That's not the Mori language from Burkina Faso. That's the Ebe language from Togo. All right, we're back to Burkina Faso now. Here we go. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga. You're good. I mean, you are. You've got an intelligent bunch here. Really. I mean, it's rare that that many, that many people, the vast majority of you are right with me. Let's do it. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Here's what it means. Let's praise. Let's praise. Tita Walge, Tita Walge. Nabwenambiga God's chief son, Jesus. Let's praise. Chief God, not just any God. Chief God, creator God. One of the reasons that Africans are quite quick compared to other people in the world to accept our God, Yahweh is because they already, in their folk religion, have a supreme God. So they already know about him. They just don't know that he's a God of love. They don't know that he loves so much that he sent his son to die, to be the propitiation, a fancy theological word, to be the offering, to be the, the gap stopper for our sin. Yeah. So, Tita Walge, let's bless, let's praise. Nab Wendam, Chief God, Son, Jesus. Sing. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, Nab Wendam Biga Yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, Nab Wendam Biga Yisa. Tita Walge, Tita Walge, 
Na buena yisa. Now we're going to put rhythm. You got to stand up. Now we're going to do we're going to do the offbeat. Okay. Now wonderful African Americans they know all about this. They can do this. Uh, us honkies. Don't do this so well, but you, you'll, you'll learn it. You'll get it. Some of us can't chew gum and walk at the same time. But uh, you're going to get it. Here we go. Watch. Tito Walge, Tito Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tito Walge, Tito Walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tito Walge, Tito Walge. Na buen nambiga yisa, tiro alge, tiro alge. Na buen nambiga yisa, tiro alge, tiro alge. Good. Na buen nambiga yisa, tiro alge, tiro alge. Na buen nambiga yisa. Now there are four people not singing. And I know who you are. I'm not looking at you. And if you don't sing this time, we're going to have a we're going to have a quartet. Okay. So uh, let's get with it. Here we go. Tito walge, tito walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tito walge, tito walge, na buen nambiga yisa. Tito walge, tito walge. Na buen nambiga yisa. Wonderful. What's the language? Don't say African. There are 800 African languages. Mori. Yes, M-O-R-I. And what is the meaning of this? Let's Chief God Son Jesus. Oh, you've done wonderful. Please sit down. I love this parable, and I believe we're going to have it on the overhead. Luke, if you have your Bibles, and would rather read it out of your Bible, it's fine, but otherwise it'll be up here. Here we go. Luke 15, 11 to 31, but evidently we've got 1 to 16 here, and we'll do do the rest as we go. I'm starting to read. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The older one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Look at the, make sure you're looking at this word, squandered. His wealth. This is where we get the name for the prodigal son. I'll explain that. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. Remember, this is a Jewish boy. 
He longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Number one, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Number two, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Number three, make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and ran to his son. Pay attention to this. Ran. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to his father, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Oh, your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, here's where the older brother has a purple hissy. The older brother came, became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Pray with me. Jesus, you never have me speak this topic unless there is a need for it. And I thank you that in a special way, your Holy Spirit takes this. This passage is the very central, the pivotal point of the gospel. And we all need the gospel repeated. Even those of us who have been transformed by the blood of Jesus and are born again and filled with the Spirit. And especially those who have never done that. But we all need the gospel because it's life. And I'm praying in the name of the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the Son and the Father, that the Spirit will minister to those who need to hear these words. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's look at the context. I forgot to tell the overhead people. The context for this is the first two verses of the 15th chapter. We are in the 15th chapter, but I need to read you some first verses because this is the background. Now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, 
This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Can you see them? They've got big beards. The sinners and the publicans, not the Republicans, the publicans, the sinners and the publicans, publicans are tax collectors and people who are in the lower part of society. They weren't afraid of Jesus. They would come up near him, and they were right down in front. And out on the periphery were the scribes and Pharisees with big robes and big beards, and they had their arms crossed, and they were, this man, he eats, he goes to sinners' houses, and he eats with them. Can you see the picture? And Jesus is telling this story because it's these people who should know better, who know the law, and have been steeped in the law all of their life, and their grandparents, and their great-grandparents, all the way back for a thousand years and more. They are the ones who should understand that when God sent the Messiah, this is the one they were waiting for. But they have rejected him. And the big thing is they have rejected the Father. They have distorted who the Father is. They have made him into a legalistic judge. And they have exploited the law for their own benefit, for their own profit, and for their own ego power needs. There's no greater temptation on humanity than power. In the church, out of the church. In politics, for sure. That's, that's pure power. Both parties. They had distorted who the Father was, and Jesus wanted to tell them the story. We call this pro proverb, this parable, prodigal son. And that's an improper name. The main character in this story is not the son. The main character in the story is the father. You'll see that. Now, how did we get... How do we call this prodigal? Because prodigal in current American understanding is what? Rebel. A rascal. Someone who doesn't obey. That's not the beginning of the word. The word comes from the word prodigious. I'm sorry to lay this on you. Prodigious. Prodigious means copious, generous, extravagant. You see, they call him the prodigal son because that's the way he spent his father's money. Extravagantly, copiously, crazily. So, prodigal is a good name for him, but not because he's a rebel. That's what we think. Because he was a rebel. And so we've attached that name, but we've forgotten where it comes from. So, I call this lesson prodigal Love, extravagant, copious, abundant love of the Father. Crystal, this is what you experienced. You testified to it. You talked about it.
and we're going to talk more about it. What does it mean to come to the Father in Hebrew culture and say, I would like my inheritance now, please? That just goes right over the top of what we Americans in this land. It doesn't mean a whole lot. But in that culture, it means, Father, I wish you were dead. You're not dead, but I want you to act as if you are dead. Because when you die, then I can have my inheritance. But I want it now. In Hebrew culture, that is the height and the epitome of insult. A father could kill his son without retribution in Hebrew culture for that kind of an insult. That seems extreme for us because we love, we think that victims, we mix up victims and perpetrators. Our legal system has some faults to it. Father, give me my inheritance now. And the father could have beat him to a pulp because in that culture he would have been justified. But the father does what he asked. It says he divided his wealth between his sons. Now, the younger son didn't get half. That's a mistake we make in America. We make all of our children the same. And most of us that have a will, we have the words equal and same and treat all our children the same. That's the best way to destroy a family. The Bible knows that you advantage the oldest competent person, and generally that's a son, and he gets two-thirds. And all the rest of the siblings divide the last third. But what comes with the two-thirds is responsibility. That person that gets two-thirds, the oldest son here, has the responsibility to keep the family together, to keep the family custom, to keep the family's faith intact. Well, the father didn't go down to Bank of America and get the one-third that was coming to him. No. His wealth was in sheep and goats and cattle and donkeys and camels and in real estate. So this young buck had to sell to the people in town at a ridiculous cheap rate so that he could get shekels, he could get gold and silver, and put it in a leather pouch, attach it to his waist, and leave. It says, not many days hence, the young man left for a far country. What did he do? Well, he lived prodigiously. He lived prodigally, extravagant, copious, without breaks. 
until there wasn't anything left. And at that time, there was a famine in the land, in the whole country. He didn't have any food. So he hired himself out. Now, you remember, Jesus is this master communicator. And if you want to really get the audience of a Jewish audience, get the attention of a Jewish audience, you have the character take care of pigs. Because pigs are anathema. You don't eat them. In fact, if any pig grease gets on a pan that you have, you have to throw it away, or you have to go through a 16-rule system to get the pig fat out of that pan. This is, to this day, Orthodox Jews... The last thing they want to think about is pig meat. Oh, but isn't bacon wonderful? (laughs) But not for a, a Jew or a Muslim. How many of you know, I don't know if you know, but a third of the Quran comes from the Bible. And Muslims have copied a great portion of the dietary laws of the Jews that God gave to the Jews when they were living in the desert and they were with their tabernacle out in the desert and God gave them rules that made sense for that culture and that time. The dietary rules that God gave the Jews are really a good way to live. But isn't bacon wonderful? You'll notice that the father not only gave him the money, but he let him go. He didn't send a guide to peek around the tree or around the corner and watch him. No, the father let him go. Must have broken his heart. Well, he decided he would like to eat the pods that the pigs are eating, but he didn't even have permission to do that. So, he finally comes to himself, and he says, How many people in my father's employ are better off than I am? That's what I'm going to do. He came to himself, and he's going to say, Father, I have sinned against you and against God. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Number three, Make me like one of your hired people. That doesn't mean a slave. That Greek term means teach me a skill. Send me to the skillful teachers. Teach me a skill so that I can make money. What's he after? He's after an independence. It was independence from his father's authority that drove him to ask for his third. And it's still independence. Now, some people in America think that this, is, that this young boy was converted in the pig pen. He wasn't. This is a clever scheme to not have to live with his brother, to not have to live under the roof of his father's authority, to find a way to make some money and maybe even pay his father back. He wanted no grace. 
and I'm talking to some of you here tonight, you want to make it yourself. You don't really want God's grace. You want to pay for it. You want to work it out. You want to be able to say, I did this. And because I did all these things, God really owes me. In your heart, your heart's way down deep. Some of you would like to get a hook in God by obeying the rules, raising your hands at the right time, singing the right songs. You don't want to be beholden. That's the word. And this is human nature. That's not weird. That's not crazy. That's the way many, many people think. This is why religions, after they've been very long, very many years, they fall into a religion of works. Islam is total works. Some Christian religions started out where people were born again or came to faith and learned to trust God and accept his benevolent grace. But after a few years, those religions began to find a way for people work it out for themselves because that's human nature. And it, the priests and the pastors and the rabbis, they like this because they can then exploit people for their own profit. But this isn't the way of God. This isn't the way of Jesus. Well, the young man, he's on his way home. He's got three things. I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm going to ask you to teach me a trade so I have some self-respect, so I can get away from this guilt of what I have done. That's normal. But it says, the father saw him a long way off. Can you imagine how many days he went to the edge of town at the evening looking for that son that he misses, that he loves, his heart is bleeding for him. Let's remember, who's, who's this story for? Why is Jesus telling this story? From the mutterers on the periphery. This man, the, critis, the critical ones. He's telling this story because they have distorted who his father is. They do not see his, the Father as a God of grace and love and unconditional love. The Father sees him and he runs. Hold this. <laughs> this is the way the Father was dressed. He wasn't wearing trousers. He didn't have anything under this, but uh, maybe he had some underwear. <laughs> Fathers with adult sons 
never run. They walk with elan. They walk with dignity. Swoosh, 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 swoosh. Adult sons, wealthy man, important in the community. And the Bible says he ran. Want to see what that looks like? You gotta pick it up or you'll stumble. And he ran through the town and everybody said, Whoa! Where's the old man going? And all the kids followed and ran. And the parents, too proud to run, walked. And where's he going? What's happening? Oh he's back! This reprobate! He's going to get beat within an inch of his life. Oh, look, the father's hugging him and kissing him. What is this? And the son starts his speech. Father, I sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm not worthy to be your son. But you don't find number three. Number three is missing. Look in your Bibles. Look in your Bibles. Verse 20. He left off. Teach me a trade. He left off. I'm going to be independent. He left off. I'm going to stay away from my father's authority. He left off. I'm not going to live with my older brother. That's where he was saved. That's where he came to faith. Why? Because of extravagant, copious love. Unexpected. And some of you are afraid of that because you don't believe that what you've done in the past can be forgiven. I talked to somebody today she said, I don't think God can forgive me. And she's bogged down in guilt. What'd the father say? Hey, you don't have any shoes. You, you get him shoes. You go into my closet, get that best robe, the one that I wear to the market. Bring that. And you go to, my, go to my bedroom, and there's a dresser. Open the top drawer. There's a ring. Get it. Bring it. He didn't just kiss him and hug him. He gave him stature. Only slaves go barefoot. Ring, authority. Robe, respect. This pig feeder, this scoundrel, this spend all your money, and the Pharisees 
could not believe that Yahweh is this kind of a God. Oh, the next thing that happens is incredible. If the young boy had tried to come home by himself without his father, can you imagine him walking through town? These are the people that bought his property, his father's property, for peanuts. They loved the price, but in their hearts they hated him olympically because he had shamed the whole village. He shamed his older brother. He shamed his father. He shamed the community. Can you hear the cat calls? Ah, look at him. He smells like pigs. He's filthy. Look at his ragged. He's barefoot. Oh, he's going to get it. He's worthless. That's not what happened. Father put his arm around him. And he walked him back through town. And nobody dared say a word. This is extravagant, copious love of the Father. And he hasn't changed. And he loves you. And he doesn't want you to try to get a trade. In other words, he doesn't want you to try to pay. He doesn't want you to try to pay for his sin, your sin. He's paid for it. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That's called a, a hymn. <laughs> yeah, that, they, they used to exist. Hymns. They had, they had wonderful gospel in them. Yeah, I, the music wasn't too good. Uh, you think, oh, there are so wonderful hymns about the grace of God, the love of God. And they got back home, and they killed the fatted calf. Now, out in the field is the older brother. That older brother should have put himself in the way. You're not leaving. Don't you do this. You're shaming the village and our father and you're shaming me. There's no record of this. That's what he should have done. This story is a story about two lost boys. One is lost in a far country and the other is lost at home. Lost at home. He now owns the whole ranch. And he hears music and dancing. He hears flutes. And he hears dancing music. And he gets hold of one of the little workers and says, What's happening? Oh, your brother's come home. Oh, thank God. I'm so happy. I've been praying for him. No, that's not what happened. He said, What did he look like? Oh, he was a mess till your father got a hold of him. Now he's wearing your father's best robe and a ring. And he is. Yeah. And, and, I smell meat. Yeah, it's the fatted cat. But I own that. I'm not going in. You see, it's the older son's duty to be the master of ceremonies. Any kind of a celebration, the older son is the master of ceremonies. Soon, one of the help goes in and tells the father, your older son is outside. And everybody would expect him to say, you get your bot in here. He had the right to say that. This is 
a loving Father, just like the one who is watching you, just like the one who wants so much your embrace. He's got his arms open. You don't have to be afraid of the village. He'll walk you through. You don't have to be afraid of your older brother. He's lost, too. Don't you stay lost. Don't stay lost. Don't stay away from the embrace of the Father. This is the lesson that Jesus is teaching with this incredible, incredible parable. And the mutterers, if they didn't see themselves in the life of the prodigal because he was dirty, pig-eaten, they see themselves in the life of this proud one who said to the father, I've been serving you all of these years, and you didn't even give me a goat for my friends. And this son of yours, not my brother, you notice he didn't say, this son of yours who wasted all the money with prostitutes and riotous living, and now you kill the fatted calf for him. That's my calf. Well, there are two kind of sons in this story. One started out bad and ended up pretty good. The other one started out bad and stayed bad. Neither of them were respecting the authority of their father. Oh, we live in a culture of high independence. And if Americans have a besetting sin, it's while independence is good, it also has a bad side. I'm going to make my own way. I don't need God's help. You said that. You thought you could make your own way till you found out. And you were touched by the love of the Father and you realized, that's something I want. That's something I need. I need that love. I need that touch. Huh. Where are you? Are you one of these sons? Is, is your nature one of these sons? Do you think that you have to pay for it yourself? Do you think you need to get away from guilt? And you're going to get away from that by scrupulously following all the rules, thinking that's, go that's going to pay for your salvation. It won't work. Jesus says, your good works are filthy rags. And that word, filthy rags, are menstrual cloths in the original. Two sons, and we call him the prodigal. But really, the word prodigal in this story describes the father. Do you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit talking? Do you see yourself in this picture? Do you see yourself in this picture? Don't let the fear of the older brother keep you from the loving arms of the Father. We dare to ask for forgiveness because we already have it. Don't let the fear of the village, what other people are going to think, don't let the fear of the village keep you from the Father. 
Don't let the bareness of being home physically, but in a far country spiritually, keep you from the party. There's a party. It's going on. And it's a party of love and abundance. The Father's arms are open, and they're open for you and me. Jesus, you told this story because of its power. And those who were listening must have been shocked on the inside that you could look right down inside of them and see, just like the Holy Spirit is here, looking in the inside of some who don't believe that you would greet them at the edge of the village and kiss them and hug them and give them a robe of righteousness, not their righteousness, your righteousness that you paid for on the cross. Others are just believing that because they're home in the church and they've been there all their life, but they have a rebellious spirit inside, they're not happy because they're not giving you submission. They're, they're going through the right motions, but inside there's a revolution. Inside, they are rebelling against the Scriptures and what they say. Help us tonight to hear this parable from Africa and from the Mideast that understands the culture behind it. Help us to see these truths. Help us to know that the Father in his love squashed the desire of this young man to be independent, to go his own way because he didn't want to accept grace and be beholden. That's the great barrier. We don't want to be beholden, but we have to be. And if we will be, we can live the life of a son or a daughter in the sunshine of obedience. In the sunshine of obedience, not the dark cloud of rebellion. while your heads are bowed and you're praying and the Holy Spirit is active because he's always active when I tell this story. It's not my story. This is Jesus' story. This is one of the most powerful things Jesus ever said. That's why the Holy Spirit works when this story is brought out in good light. If you're here and you don't think that you deserve the love of the Father and you don't really believe that he can forgive you, would you meet me up here? Just get up from where you are. Come on down here. I want to pray with you. Don't be afraid. I'm repeating. If you're here and you really are having a problem to believe that God could accept you and forgive you, that his arms are open for you, and you've doubted that, but tonight you want to come to the Father. Just come on. I know it's difficult. 
you're afraid of the village. Don't be afraid of the village. Don't be afraid of the village. Come on. The Father's arms are open. He wants to love you. He wants to embrace you. The Son has paid for it. Jesus has paid for it. Come on. I'm not in a hurry. I'm African. I have lots of time. Are you here and you've been in the church all your life and everybody thinks that everything is perfect with you, but you know that in your heart there's rebellion? You really don't like the authority that the Bible has or the Father has. And you look all right on the outside, but on the inside, there's something missing. Come on. Come on. The Father's arms are open. The Father's arms are open. He has a robe for you. He has a ring for you. He has sandals for you. And there's a party. Come on. That's good. It takes courage. Are you here and you have never asked Jesus to forgive your sins? This is the first time for you. You're not used to this. And I don't know who's here, but I sense there's somebody here who has never once ever said, Jesus, be my Lord. Forgive me. Take away my sins. You come. You come. It hasn't been easy for these people to come. But you come now. You come now. I'm waiting for you. There are people here praying for you. Good. Anybody else? Yes, there's at least two more. There's at least two more. You've never bowed your knee really and said, Jesus, forgive my sins. Save my soul. Come on. Jesus, I thank you for these courageous and vulnerable and honorable people. I thank you for each one. You know their names. You know their history. You know how much you love them. I'm asking you now, dear Jesus, show them on the inside of their heart how you love them and how they dare to believe that you have accepted them and they can be made whole. They can be made whole by the blood of the Lamb. Some of you who are friends of these and who know the Lord want to come up and put your hand on their shoulder. Support them. Say, I know. So that you're happy for them. Come on. We need each other. This is a great big happy family. I thank God. I thank God for this ministry, for your leaders. I love them. I believe in them. So many of you are here and you help each other and you've helped each other through these steps. And whatever, whatever the state, the condition of these wonderful people who've come, now I'm going to pray for them all. Dear Jesus, 
I pray that in their hearts, the prayer they're supposed to pray will be prayed. Forgive me. Make me clean. And others are praying, I didn't know that you were that much of a loving father. And I thank you that you're that much of a loving father. And I'm coming to you. I'm needing to get away from the guilt. I'm needing to get away from the thought that you won't take me, but you will take me. And I love it that you take me tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Brother Eric, will you come? with him because as Dale was talking tonight I just felt the Holy Spirit talk to me about my own self about stepping into a new level of love a new level of intimacy that goes beyond all the rules that I feel like I don't keep all the things that I'm aware of that aren't okay. All the ways I wish I was different. All the comparisons that I have for myself with other people where they look really good and I don't feel good. So if that's you tonight, then I want you to stand with me because we're going to pray for us. And it's only if that's only if what I just said applies to you. The reason I'm asking you to stand is because you have to do something. You have to want God to touch you before he, he bows to your will. And Dale, I'd like for you to come back up and pray for us, those of us who are standing. So last call. If what I just said applies to you, stand. God of love, Savior of the world, creator of the universe, that big God is small enough to come down into the heart and soul of believers and unbelievers alike. 
we're standing and we're saying we need more intimacy with you and even though there's a cost for that there's a cost for that and that's to get rid of the secular world's playthings and the things that would draw us away from total submission to this God who loves us and who's preparing a home for us and each individual is different and the Holy Spirit in his great wisdom and his omnipotence knowing all things knows how to talk to each one of us and remind us of what we have in our heart that is not pleasing and I'm asking you dear Jesus by the power of the blood of Jesus cleanse that remove that so that there's nothing between our souls and the Savior nothing between our soul and the Savior answer this prayer as you are want to do you are wanting to answer this prayer so may we pray it in truth and in sincerity knowing that only then can the work of the Holy Spirit be done in us to cleanse us and bring us nearer to the cross nearer to this Christ who died nearer to the place where the Holy Spirit can walk in us and let us walk in him and we pray that in Jesus name